Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 101 of the Farbound Metal Podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, John Sherman from Red Fang discusses his first band, and I recommend Barbarian Prophecies. Before all that, Paul Wagner from Between the Barrier to Me returns to the show. This time we're chatting the sequel to the masterpiece Colors, Colors 2, getting animated in the Fix the Error music video, Twitch shows, the return to kinda sorta normalcy, his coffee business, and more. Now before we jump in, here's some of the aforementioned Fix the Error from Colors 2. pretty well man i uh pretty busy but uh yeah i can't complain i imagine you're in full press mode uh considering you have an album coming out on my mom's birthday thank you she thanks you for that by the way oh okay awesome <laughs> i yeah we're in uh, i'm in i'm in i'm in scramble mode uh you know leaving for tour pretty soon and i oh, yes. quite frankly forgot how to do that so um you know yeah I'm in total total scramble panic mode right now i'm trying to get everything done fun so um yeah we spoke last year when you were off the road and um you were mostly focused on your coffee business doing renovations and stuff like that how has a uh, business been there now that things are back to normal ish yeah i mean it's it's pretty much back to normal i would say um at least for the time being but yeah it's uh <clears throat> i would say you know it's just steadily over the past few months that the it's been steadily like increasing back to the point where I would say like, you know, volume wise, we're probably doing what we were doing before COVID. So, uh, I can't complain about that. So yeah, I'm just trucking along, man. It's, um, been, that's definitely kept me, kept me pretty busy through all this. Was it nice to have that as kind of a, a way just not to focus on, you know, the wall in front of you to have a business that you had to worry about for lack of a better word? Absolutely, man. I mean, I, it, I mean, obviously, in the hospitality, restaurant, whatever business was uh, pretty negatively impacted by COVID. But at the same time, yeah, for me personally, since I was also part of a, the music industry, which was completely shut down. So um, there is a difference between shut down and slowed down. Um, and music was just shut down. So uh, it did give me like a, di- a distraction. And at times, I you know, I thought it was like um, a burden maybe, but I think in hindsight, yeah, it was like a positive distraction for me, something that I could focus some energies towards. Um, and, and so I used to think it, the coffee shop was like driving me insane during COVID, but actually it was probably keeping me, uh, from going insane. So, um, but again, that was something I probably didn't realize, um, until, you know, kind of afterwards, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice to have you know, again, in hindsight, nice to have something to, to focus on. And now you're about to get away from that. As you mentioned a little bit ago, you're prepping to go back out on the road. Um, what all, what kind of prep have you guys done so far? I mean, we're what, two weeks out from the start. Yeah. Uh, we've done very little, um, prep as a band. We've all just been prepping like individually, excuse me, but, um, we get together in a, in a few days 
to uh, see if <laughs> see if we can play all these songs, <laughs> which will be uh, which will be fun. Um, the our tour manager and and crew guys have obviously been you know getting they've probably been you know doing a lot of lot more of the kind of um, logistical sort of um, you know prepping as far as gear rentals and and um, lighting design and all that stuff. So they've they've been pretty busy as well. But I, I would say for the band, we've just been prepping like on an individual level and um, and then we generally just kind of show up at the practice space and see how it goes. So we'll do that in a few days. I follow Dan on all the social media things and he often posts books, like the publications of like the tabs and, score and uh, sheet music and whatnot. Do you do something similar to prep or do you just like have to struggle through and play along? Uh, it depends on which album because I, I haven't done like I haven't really kept up um, or documented like tablatures for all of our albums. I, sh I should do that, but um, I, I admittedly have not. So I have piecemeals of like parts and whatnot that I'll have to reference and scour through all these files, um, which are generally named something totally not the song name. So I got to like be like, well, what is it? You know, it'll say like, oh, quirky B minor or something like that. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And then I open it and I'm like, no, that's nothing we ever even used. So, um, so yeah, scour through a few files to try to find some parts. Um, but most albums, um, I do have like tab books and I can reference them. And then of course, a lot of stuff just kind of comes back to me. So, um, but we're playing some old stuff like, um, some Alaska era stuff that Dusty and I had to like, I'd be like, Hey man, do you remember that one riff? And he'd be like, yeah, but do you remember this riff? And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. So we would like trade and he'd be like, wow, if you send me a video, you play in the one riff, I'll send you a video of you playing the other riff. And so we kind of have to piece it together like that. So kind of embarrassing really, but um, you know, some of this stuff is pretty old. <laughs> How has the new uh, album impacted the first set of the upcoming tour since you guys have, now have more to be retrospective of, but it's like pre-retrospection or something? Yeah. If you decide right. to toss uh, it into the I set. Mean, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, at the time that we originally like curated the set list for this tour, uh, we hadn't even written the new album yet, obviously. So, uh, we, you know, we made some adjustments. We wanted to work in a new song, so... Um, Obviously, that means we had to sacrifice another song, uh, an older song, which which we we did. So, um, so yeah, that's it. Really, we just kind of took one out and plugged in a new one. And um, but we're still covering pretty much the entire discography to some degree. You know, uh, trying to play a little something from everything. Um, so I think we still managed to cover all our bases. And it's safe to assume that you were indeed going to fly Mike Portnoy out for 20 seconds to each uh, each stop of the tour? Yeah, all the drummers. They'll, they'll, they'll come out on the, on the tour just for their bit parts. I have to say, this sounds no. expensive. I wish we like could afford like, some kind of hologram type situation and like pipe in the audio. That'd be sick. But um, the reality is probably Blake's going to try to have to learn. I don't know what he's going to... I actually don't know what Blake's going to do for those parts. So, um, you know... Well, I'm kind of giving it away. Maybe we're playing that song. I don't, I don't know, know if yeah. we are or not. Uh, you could do um, like Townsend did with, uh, I think I'd tour with you guys and just had Tommy as a puppet? Or is that a different out tour? doesn't matter. Yes. But yeah, Tommy as a puppet. You could do yeah, that. that was the, yeah. yeah, Devin did that. Yeah. Uh, that would be sick. Um, 
But the reality is probably Blake will just like play, you know, four four drum solos in a row. Um, so R.I.P. Blake. That's gonna be brutal. Just in everyone. addition to the other, you know, two hours of material he's got to learn. <laughs> um, he's to, so. So you mentioned that this album wasn't even Colors Two wasn't even written before the like retrospective tour stuff. So this was all written in like bummer times. How has that? Uh, how was that for the album? Like the whole process of writing it. Uh, it's hard to say. Like I think you know the way it was originally supposed to go down is we were going to do that tour in May of 2020, and then you know after that tour we were going to like you know take a small amount of time off, and then. Um, and then we were going to you know, start writing and, and recording and all that stuff. And um, then when COVID happened, it was just kind of like, we just flipped all that around. You know, we didn't know how long COVID was going to last. We certainly didn't think it was going to last this long, but um, you know, we, we just, we said, okay, well, let's, we'll go ahead and write the album and record and then we'll worry about the tour later. So we had to like switch our mindsets like super quick. Um, having said that we had already decided uh, that we were going to do colors too. Oh. So that was actually decided pre-pandemic. We we had talked about it on tours, you know, like the last couple tours we did. Um, started kicking around the idea, and because uh, we we were all just we, we were just at a point in our careers where we we felt very similar to how we felt during Colors uh, One. You know, we felt like we had to really go for broke and and put it all out there and do something really special and. Uh, so we were in that same kind of mindset, really kind of almost reestablish our identity as a band. So we were in that same mind frame. So that, so we decided we were going to kind of do that. We we're like, yo, this is the perfect time to do like sort of the sequel to, to colors. And it's more of like a philosophical sequel. Um, it's not really a conceptual, uh, you know, the colors didn't really have like a, a lyrical concept to it or anything, but it, you know, for us, it was like a very philosophical um, uh, sequel. So we had already decided to do that, but admittedly, like when, when COVID happened, we were not ready to write. I definitely wasn't. I wasn't in the headspace to write. I was in the headspace to like do that tour, um, do the the Great Misdirect tour, the twenty year tour. So um, we had to switch gears. And at first, man, it was tough. Like I think we all experienced like a certain level of like writer's block, um, and it was some of it because we were just like not quite ready to write yet. But then also, I think the pandemic. You would think that it would like inspire um, creativity, but it, for me, it actually kind of had the opposite effect early on. I was just like dead. I mean, I was like, I was just down, you know what I mean? I just couldn't, couldn't really, wasn't inspired to like write music really or anything. And, um, but then I think, you know, like always, like when our backs are against the wall, kind of it's when we do our best stuff. So eventually it all just started, you know, some ideas started coming out, some simple ideas. And before I knew it, we were all kind of feeding on off each other and, um, and then it became like a really, uh, you know, not unconventional, but still very like healthy writing, uh, session, I guess, for us, we were all obviously remote, you know, writing remote and sending ideas over the internet, but, um, but yeah, it was like actually pretty inspiring and fun and, um, different. Obviously we don't usually, um, have to have to do it this way. We were, I mean, we write remotely anyway, but like, usually we're able to at least get together a couple times, uh, at least me, Blake and, and Dan. Um, but this time was just like straight up. Like the first time we ever played the songs was when we showed up to the studio. 
you know, I mean, we still haven't played the songs as a band, like in a traditional sort of band sense, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, obviously COVID had, had an impact on how we wrote and how we recorded and all that stuff. But, um, but overall, man, like, I still think we, we did something really good, really special. And I'm not sure, you know, you know, who knows? I don't have any, uh, but it, I think, think maybe it wouldn't have been as maybe as good or as special as if, if this hadn't happened. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. I think we wrote one of our best records. The two songs I've heard hearing them back to back, I'm like more stoked than you could even imagine. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. And, uh, was there any hesitation of calling it colors too, based on like fans like me that are constantly shrieking colors as it is? Because uh, historically, you're not super nostalgic about old, old stuff. You guys are always you know, looking yeah. forward, progressing, if you will. So to go back and sort of, I don't know, dip a toe into this waters again, was that a hesitation? Well, we mostly were, we figured it would be somewhat controversial, like for the fans, you know, we knew there would be people that are like, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. You know, like nothing will be colors, whatever, you know, I, you know, all that stuff. And, and sure that happened to an extent, but um, yeah, I think the bigger answer is that like, we're not, like I said before, like it colors too, is more of like a philosophical, like mindset type thing. It, it wasn't like we were trying to rewrite colors or even write like, there's some callbacks to colors, like musical callbacks that we did. That was fun to do. I, honestly, like, you know, the little nuggets of, or motifs here and there that, that call back to musically to um, colors. But for the most part, and people will realize this when they hear the album, it's just a new BT Bam album in, in a lot of ways. You know, it just so happens that we allowed ourselves to maybe be inspired by that era of our career, but we're still like, we're still older and wiser, hopefully, um, in 2021 than we were in, in 2007. So, like, it's new BT Bam. Like, it's not like we rewrote the, you know, Colors 1. And people will definitely realize that um, when they hear it. So, um, but again, I, I, I got to, you know, I will say that we, we did allow ourselves to, like, to an extent, be influenced or inspired by um, where we were when we wrote that record. And um, I think that that part of it like comes out, but um, it's just new songs. It's new BT Bam songs. So the singles that have come hopefully out, hopefully people will go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Hopefully when people hear it, they'll hopefully when people hear it, they'll just be like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. And you know, maybe they'll get some colors vibes, but like, they're not gonna, I hope they don't like compare it like verbatim to colors. You know, I, it's, that's not the intention. You're if you play them on top of each other, like, uh, those yeah. tool songs or you know wizard of oz and pink floyd they'll make some whole probably just ungodly noise but you know i'm gonna try it once and i'll report yeah. back yeah i wouldn't recommend it if you play this one backwards and the other one forwards they'll line up perfectly actually sound it'll sound like one big album there'll be some word right in the middle that matches up and then everyone knows you guys play on this yeah exactly yeah uh yes on the two singles one so note, far guitar note will <laughs> The two singles so far show you guys kind of branching out in like newer ways. Like you have three drummers, three bonus drummers on Fix the Air, and then Blake is doing Corpse Grinder style vocals on the other track. <laughs> How else have you guys like kind of grown this time in, in newer, different ways that we may have not have heard um, yet? Those are two, you know, sort of the most, it just so happens that the two songs we released kind of have those two 
um, eyebrow raising kind of moments, like uh, guest drummers and, and like doing um, death metal vocals. Uh, other than that, like there really isn't the rest of the album is mostly just, you know, us doing our thing. Um, you know, I mean, we've evolved obviously like as a guitar player, I think I show a little more restraint than I would normally do. It's not more, it's not about like playing the most notes anymore for me. Um, there's time where I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm getting better at kind of letting the music breathe a little bit. And I, I would say we're all kind of getting better at that. And just like, you know, structuring songs in a way that is, um, you know, maybe a little more mature or whatever. Um, but at, at the same time, like, yeah, we're, we're still pushing ourselves to do like different stuff and there's still a, you know, the broadest spectrum you can imagine of, of influences that BT band brings to the table because, you know, again, we all write all five of us write music, um, for the band. So, and everybody's different. Everybody listens to different stuff. So, there's, you know, I feel like we're, we're kind of pushing the envelope for us a little bit. It's, it, we're, we're kind of doing some of the stuff. We're kind of digging into our roots a little bit and bringing some of that back. And then, um, you know, other parts of it, we're just, we're kind of getting even nuttier on the prog side of things and um, experimenting with different sounds and tones and, you know, instrumentation and stuff like that. So we're still kind of doing all that, all that stuff. Um, I don't think, I think that's what our fans expect of us now. So there's, there's a lot of that. Um, but as, in terms of like what I would call like kind of gimmicky stuff, like guest drummers and, and Blake doing death growls, like those two songs kind of cover those bases. Um, the rest of the album's just like BT Bam, like doing our thing. Cool. What we, what we normally do. theme of sequels from the parallax to future sequence that was some of astral body i'll have more with paul from bt bam shortly but first this is my first band every musician has to start somewhere in this episode john sherman from red fang discusses his first band <laughs> yes awesome i love when it gets a laugh um well the first band i was in that like ever played a show we were called stew face, stew face. like uh, a face of soup um, I don't know why face. I expected like the name Stu, but for some reason Soup Face didn't even cross my mind. Soup Face, S T E W F A C E, and uh, you know high school band, and um, I don't know what we sounded like. I'd, I'd have to. I mean, I, we thought we were like a punk band, but I bet we were just terrible. <laughs> uh, but we we had a good time. We played shows. Uh, yeah, I think Stu Face was the first band. Yeah, Stu Face was definitely the first band that played a show. Um, and those guys, the guys that were in that band, I think one of them's still playing music. I haven't seen them in years. 
And one of them's got, got his PhD in like Sanskrit and Eastern religion or something. Damn. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, but the other guy, but yeah, Stu face. That was my first band. 2022 Stu face reunion. Bring it. We thought we were punk. Okay. <laughs> Arrows by Red Fang is out now via Relapse Records. Get your copy now over at redfang.net. Then hear the rest of my conversation with John on episode 99. Find that at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. Then while I have you held hostage in this little break, head to patreon.com slash farbeyondmetal. There you can get cat pictures with fun rock and roll stories that I've had over the years, as well as bonus episodes. I've got one of those coming up with a longtime friend of the show that you can look forward to shortly, but there's also three others that you can listen to now. Again, that is patreon.com slash farbeyondmetal. Now, before I wrap my conversation with Paul from Between the Barry and Me, here's a bit of the latest single from Colors 2. This is Revolution in Limbo. talk a little bit about the fix the error music video because i did not anticipate a kind of wacky cartoon coming from you guys did you did you get to pick yourself to be the purple guy and towards the end or did you have any say in what was um, going on no we gave the um tony the guy who did the animation and everything like we pretty much gave him free reign on the on the thing so like other than like tommy kind of explaining the lyrics and stuff like that as far as the treatment the video treatment like Tony kind of like just did that and the character development, he did all that and, and drew the, I mean, he did everything. So, um, that was all him, man. Like, you know, I'll give him all the love in the world for that. He, he did an awesome job. And, uh, no, we didn't know when we watched the video, we, every, every moment was a surprise to us, but we didn't know what, what was going down, what was, what we were going to see. So, um, the biggest hurdle we had with that because um, we loved all the animation we thought it was so cool and and us being the at the end you know even got my gray stripe in there pretty awesome um but uh other than that we were really just kind of like how are we going to incorporate like the live stuff the live footage or whatever and the uh, drum solos because those drummers they just you know as uh, for blake's request he was like hey record these parts for the album and, and film yourself you know, so these are like iPhone videos, you know, we're like, how the hell are we going to make this look cool? <laughs> you know? So, um, but when, uh, Tony did the like movie theater idea, um, we were like, that looks cool. Like it's, it's awesome. So, um, 
you know, again, we didn't have a whole lot to do with it. We were just like kind of in awe. We were just like, this is so cool. Like, and again, like kind of like you, like you said, we, we didn't expect that, you know, uh, we didn't know what to expect, but we, we were stoked on it. Came out cool. It's definitely the only video of ours that I've watched like multiple times. You know, are you someone that can't watch yourself? It moves so quickly. What's that? Are you someone that just like can't watch yourself? No, I don't like, mm-mm. no, I'm not. I don't like to watch myself at all. Fair weird. But in this case, like, you know, it, it, I feel like the video moves so quickly and there's so much going on. Like I do, I did watch it multiple times just to pick up on different things that, um, I didn't pick up on the first time. So, but yeah, Tony, he, he did an awesome job. We were stoked on it. Uh, to switch gears a bit, I know that, uh, Blake is super into Twitch and I'm assuming he's part of why you guys did the streams last year. How are those shows for you? I imagine kind of strange, but cool. Totally strange. I mean, cool in a, in a cool in a strange way, you know, like it's not something I really enjoy necessarily. Um, probably just because it's so different, you know, I'm sure I would get used to it eventually, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's a strange, uh, experience. Um, it's a lot different than just playing a gig, you know? Um, you know, I would say like the second time we did it felt a little more natural, but, but still it's, it's weird, you know, for me, like to perform in that context. Um, but again, I, I think I would, I would get used to it. We were fully prepared to just like keep doing that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, if, if life just kind of never never got back to normal um you know we were just like well i guess that's what we'll have to do you know got to monetize this band somehow so um but uh it definitely uh it's definitely it's it's weird it's there's no two ways about it like it's a strange um experience as a performer because you're like in a relatively empty room you know it's just like us and we had a guy like doing the sound and uh, our buddy chuck doing camera and and we're just like in a basement, you know, and we're like, and there's like thousands of people just watching us on the internet. It's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. On a similar note, I know you've gotten into cameo a bit. How has that been? And what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to say or do? Uh, it's, I like cameo. It's kind of fun. It's quick. It's, it's like fast paced. It's not super like, um, it's pretty off. It's like authentic. You know, I can just kind of hit the thing and, and do my, and say what I'm going to say and, it's a great way to interact with, with fans and stuff. And, um, I haven't been actually asked anything super weird, honestly. No, it's like all very cool stuff. You know, it's, um, I mean, there's always kind of the the normal stuff like, Hey, my, you know, can you tell my buddy happy birthday or happy anniversary or whatever? But there's also like cool stuff, you know, I've gotten stuff where people are like, Hey, my friend, you know, he's, he's kind of down in the dumps a little bit. He's having some health problems or he's having trouble at his work or whatever. And, um, you know, just kind of like, can you send him a pick me up? Like, and so I enjoy doing stuff like that. Cause, um, I, you know, I, I genuinely feel like it kind of brings some joy to somebody's day. So that, that aspect of it is, is super cool. Um, so yeah, I like Cambia. I think the concept of it's awesome. Very cool. I've got some kind of odds and ends here as we're as we're wrapping up. Uh, is there any mm-hmm. chance of an anatomy of vinyl repress now that most of the other stuff has been put out again? Good question. I don't know. Okay. I actually don't know. There's no reason there couldn't be, I guess. 
Is it like a rights but, thing? But um, we haven't we haven't discussed it. No, I mean I guess Concord uh, Concord owns. They bought the entire Victory you know catalog or whatever. So they I guess they own that. Um, I assume there could be a repress, but but uh, no, we haven't we haven't really discussed it. Uh, what is the weirdest thing you own? Weirdest thing I own? Yeah. I own so much like weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> weirdest thing I own. Uh, I don't know. I have like a, I don't have anything weird. I don't think, but I've got, I've got like a laminator. <laughs> at, at the house i don't know why anybody would have that you know i don't know why i have it but i do have i can laminate stuff if you got a piece of paper you need laminated i can hook you up are you familiar um, with the show uh taskmaster the what uh, are you familiar with the show taskmaster it's a british kind of panel game show sort of thing no so it's a it's a thing where british comedians come on mm-hmm. and the host makes them bring in something that they're intended to give away and it has to fit some sort of criteria. And one of the episodes, it's the most satisfying thing you own. And one of the contestants is like, I have something that I know is the most satisfying thing. And the host is like, I bet I know what it is. And at the same time, they point at each other and they say, laminator. And uh, you saying you have a laminator isn't weird to me, but it's like, oh, cool. That's awesome. I wish I had a laminator. I don't know why. I have no reason for it, but I'm jealous because they are so yeah, satisfying. It's one of those things, like if you if you need to laminate something, you can go to like, you know, wherever, like Office Depot or Staples or something. But you can also just like get online and buy like a $20 laminator and you just have one. And I think that's probably where it came from. I was like, at some point in my life in the last like 10 years, I probably needed to laminate like one thing. And I was like, well, I'll just buy a laminator, you know, so now I have one. And I surprisingly like use it more than one would think because I have it. So I'm like, oh. I can laminate, you know? So for example, you know, like I'm going to, I got my, my vaccine card. I'm just going to, you know, bring it on to, who knows, we don't know what's going to happen on this tour. So I'm going to laminate it and just bring it with me just in case I need it for something, but I can just do that in my, in my kitchen. So it's kind (laughs) of awesome. I also have a gumball, a gumball machine. That's cool. Which is actually, it's not, doesn't have any gum in it, but let's see if you can see it. See it. Yeah, I can. Wow, it's like a stand-up one. Yeah. I, I imagine like a desk one or some, or not a desk one, like a counter yeah. one. And it hasn't had gum in it in probably uh, fifteen years, but uh, I have it. So that's pretty weird too, I guess. Just in case, mainly because it's completely not useful whatsoever, just taking up space. I mean, if you fill it with gum, it becomes useful again. So, but you're about to leave, so maybe not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put gum in it. I don't. I don't even really chew gum, so it's becoming weirder as you get further away from gum. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've progressed past gum in my life. I don't have any use for it anymore, but I still have this thing. I guess you could put other stuff in it. There's no, nothing, anything that size could you could put in it. It doesn't have to be a gumball machine. It could be a marble machine or, or whatever. Anything that'll fit in the little thing. So For all those times you're in need of re- repurpose it. emergency marble. Yeah, and a quarter. Yeah, yeah, need a marble. Yeah. Have you ever been asked to do a G3? A what? A G3, the Vi Satriani no. thing. Would you? That would be a terrible idea for ter- them. I'm not that kind of guitar player, so it would be it would go very poorly. 
for me in the tour. I, people will be like, what is this? Why do they have this hack up there? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very much like a band. I'm very much like a band guitarist. I am a, uh, I am not like a solo guitarist. Um, that is not my bag. Uh, never has been really, but you know, I think I thrive in like a band context. Um, that's, that's, that's my, that's my, my game. So yeah, G3 tour with me on, it would be a fucking disaster. Fair enough. All right. Well, that'll do it for yeah, me today. I don't want any of that. Uh, that'll do it for me today. We'll end I, it on that. Of course. Uh, something positive. Uh, who do you like? Oh, um, I'm seeing you in Sacramento. Temple coffee's nearby. Go get yourself one of those. And uh, I love Temple coffee. It's one of my favorite coffee. I'm not just saying this. It's one of my favorite coffee shops in the, in the country. Yeah. I love Temple. It's one of the first coffee places that I was like, this is, I want to, I want my coffee to taste like this. Seriously. Like I, it's amazing. You know, I went home and I like watched their roasting videos and stuff. Like I was like, I'm a Temple coffee fan. I think they're amazing. I didn't know they had roasting videos online. Now I'm curious. That sounds like some ASMR kind of yeah, stuff can... where it's just like relaxing people doing something very particular kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, there's coffee roasting. It could totally be ASMR if it was filmed right. Like coffee beans in the cooling tray, totally ASMR. Um, would You could totally get away with that. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll start. Maybe that'll be my thing. Cool. Coffee roasting ASMR videos. Love it. You could definitely work that into the, the shop and that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Um, what I've heard so far, the new album's fantastic. Like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in Sacramento. Um, and, uh, you know, awesome. best of luck with the rest of your day and everything else going on. Thanks, man. We look forward to getting out there. It's been too long. Indeed. Love Sacramento. All right. See, see later, Take care, man. brother. Later, man. Others 2 will be out on August 20th. That's my mom's birthday via Sumerian Records. Order your copy now at betweenthebaritandme.com and follow the band at facebook.com slash btbamofficial. Guys, I'm so fucking excited for Colors 2. You have no idea. Now to wrap this episode, I am recommending that you check out Barbarian Prophecies. Barbarian Prophecies are a death metal quartet from Spain that formed in the year 2000. The band's brand of death metal also includes use of synths, which gives them a kind of sort of prog element. So if you want crunchy death metal grooves or something a bit weirder, Barbarian Prophecies is the band for you. On July 6th, the band released their fifth album, Horizon. From that album, here is Psy in its entirety.
Horizon by Barbarian Prophecies is out now. You can get your copy at barbarianprophecies.bandcamp.com, then keep up with the band at facebook.com slash barbarian-prophecies. That'll do it for another episode of Far Beyond Metal. Head to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com if you are in a band and you would like to be on the show as the recommendation. Find past episodes, store link, the Patreon link, and a lot more there. Then, of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal from the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.